Today on the show, I interviewed John about presidential candidate Vivek Ramaswamy, who is a self-made billionaire, businessman, super articulate debater, who has caught the attention of the American public. His ideas seem to correlate with traditional core values, and he says that America is suffering from an identity crisis, is swamped by new postmodernism religion, and has been thwarted by isms and victimization. Let's see why everyone is talking about Vivek and what makes him unique from other presidential candidates. So I've just been watching um, some videos of your boy Vivek. And to be honest, man, I'm, you know, I'm pretty impressed by his use of language. He's very, um, he's very inclusive. He's very poignant. He's super intelligent. Um, this guy is coming up as a candidate for the presidential uh, election. And to be honest, just listening to him, the way that he uses language, I'm really impressed, man. I think he's got a really strong chance of bringing people together. Um, what is it about this guy that you really like? And what is it about this guy that kind of gives you some hope uh, for the future or maybe for change? Yeah, man. Thank you. Yeah, this is a great topic. I've been watching him as well quite a bit. And um, it's just an interesting, um, an interesting individual. And you know, it's it's funny. So you said he's running for office for president of the United States, and he is. In fact, he just had his. They just had the first the primary debate for Republic Republican Party, right? Um, they go through this process. I think same as Australia, possibly, where you get some players, right, and then they compete for the position. They're trying to win over the whole party. But, anyways, Vivek Ramaswamy. Okay, so he's this uh this guy that's. I'm really inspired by in many ways. He's um, he's an immigrant or his parents are immigrants and he uh, is a first generation American basically. Um, and he, uh, I guess, let me just introduce him a little bit. He's a, a biotech engineer um, who, you know, they came from poverty, but their family was big on education, you know, as all great families are. And, uh, so he ended up working his ass off and getting into Harvard and becoming a you know biotech engineer and then starting some bit, some uh, companies uh, corporations and he's been patented with five uh, five different um, medicines and he had to go through the FDA to do that and in the process he's you know he was running multi billion dollar um, corporations that he built from the ground up. So that's a, a huge achievement in itself. Um, and now he's running for president. And it's it's really crazy because it just, you know, why he's running for president, I think, is the most important thing, uh, the most important aspect of, of, you know, this conversation, I think, where it's going to go. But basically through his, uh, you know, his first book, Woke Incorporated, um, so he's written three books in the last two years. So he stepped down as CEO from his companies. Uh, I, I'm, I, I'm pretty sure he still has stakes in them, um, but he's not running them anymore. He stepped down. But what was happening is like, just like many, many companies in the U.S. from, um, you know, internet or technology companies to even education to even politicians, to even our military. They're being forced into this ideology of, of, well, to use Vivek's words, wokeism, right? And he's saying it didn't make sense. Like he was being told that he had to take certain talking points. And one of them actually was to support Black Lives Matter and Antifa. Like, I mean, he's a, he's a, a 
he's a he's a drug engineer he's a biochemist he's like but he's being forced to 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 support these political movements and he was like well i'm not going to do that like i that that has nothing to do with my life that has nothing to do with my medicine plus they're burning down the streets you know like they're creating like chaos in, in in the streets like he's like no i won't support that and so try to make this a short you know shorten this story he started to get really bothered by this by this fact that these outside forces were coming into a corporation expecting them to take certain talking points and stand behind certain political groups and he just wouldn't have it he's young he's charismatic he's strong and he's like no i'm not going to do that and a couple of the board members you know stepped down saying we don't like what you stand for and he's like what and you know and he was just shocked by by he wasn't even politics at all um but being forced by this weird force that we have around us in america today and actually it's, be, it's becoming global uh for sure because of the media social media uh started in the u.s and is dominated predominantly by the u.s um and so anyways he wrote this book he started doing research and saying what is going on right like what is happening like why are they doing this to people and then he started seeing cancel culture and he, he just started getting motivated to look really deeply into this issue um and well he found a lot of stuff happening he wrote a book about it woke incorporated um and we can talk more about his other books later but woke incorporated is how woke ideology is seeping into the education system to corporate america to technological america you know to the big tech companies um and we have to remember that tech companies dominate our thinking because they control all the algorithms they control i mean facebook instagram everything everything that people use is from california and it's this, this small population of people controlling the information that we have access to um but anyways, he went on to write Nation of Victims. So this goes into, so as he was on his journey, right, he, he, he started to discover a lot of stuff. And then he, I, you know, he became addicted to this, this, he went down the rabbit hole, so to speak. And he started to see that Americans are, are, are like embracing victimization. So he wrote another book, Nation of Victims. Then he went into Capital Punishment. So he has three books, Woke Incorporated or Woke Inc., Nation of Victims, and capital punishment. And he wrote all of these in two years. So this guy's work ethic, you know, 37, well, 38 today, but 37 last week, <laughs> literally, uh, started multiple multi-billion dollar uh, bioengineering um, medication companies. Um, he wrote these three books. He got married. He had two, he has two children. And then he also started a other, I think this is important also to talk about. He started another, um, a company, an investment company called Strive. And so Strive is its sole reason for existing and for creating it was to stand up to the other investment companies like BlackRock and State Street. Now we can get into that later or in another podcast, but uh, <laughs> these companies are huge. In fact, in the, when I worked for the state of Alaska, we use State Street, okay? So that, that was our investment firm for, for the whole government, for the whole state, the state employees, um, government workers. Um, and dude, these, these guys are pushing. So 
we invest our money into them and they use this money um, to push ideals, including uh, what Vivek Ramaswamy calls climatism. So he has all these isms, right? He's realized he's got all these isms, transgenderism, climatism, wokeism. And he goes through all these and, he's, and he calls them like, well, we'll get, we'll get into that later. But basically this dude is superhuman almost, you know, like no matter what, if you like him or not, uh, if people like him or not, some, a lot of people are not going to like him. And this has me worried for him a little bit. But no matter what you think, he is capable of doing multitasking like no other human I've ever witnessed. And uh, yeah, man, and he, on his journey of education, self-education, he realized that the United States of America needed to take a different path um, from where we're going now. And so he decided to jump into politics only about six months ago. So nobody really knows him until Wednesday night, last couple days, yesterday, a couple days ago. <laughs> and now he's, well, he's in third place for GOP after Donald Trump and Ron DeSantis. And I think he's just a rising star. So what are you most excited about as far as him as a candidate? What do you think that he's able to do differently? Or what do you think he's able to do that's impactful, um, that we haven't seen in a long time with other candidates. He, well, like everybody keeps saying, he's an outsider and he says it himself. He's an outsider. He doesn't play politics. He never did. Um, so this is one thing, is that he is not corrupted by the politics of the U.S., the United States. He's never been in the game. And I think the longer that you're in that game, the more corrupted you become because let's face it, you're, you're a part of a community, right? You, in the US, you're forced, generally speaking, you're forced to join one of the two parties, right? And you can be an independent. Donald Trump was an independent uh, before he became Republican. You can be a libertarian. You can be whatever you want to, but it just doesn't in the current environment, the current playing field, it doesn't work. You, you end up, well, you always lose, first of all. And second of all, the second best guy that maybe you might have chosen, whether it be Democrat or Republican, loses those votes. So one thing is he's an outsider, okay? He's an outsider and he's not, he's paid all his own money. He's not taken any money from the super PACs, which are these, well, the Democratic and Republican Party, right? They have these super donors, these people... And if you think about U.S. politics, the donors are kind of like shareholders, right? So they can make decisions. They can they can give you money, but then they have expectations of how you should do things. And you start having to use their talking points. And this is what he says like about wokeism, is that a lot of these people are, are spreading the message, but they don't really believe it, but they're they're obligated to because they've received money from these different people, these super PACs. And... Um, he says he's not. So that's one. One, he's not a part of the establishment at all. He's he's uh, he built himself. All of his wealth is from himself. Number two. Okay, let's get in number two. This guy <laughs> is so well spoken. Like you said, he's so articulate. He's an excellent listener. He he has gifts of listening, communication. Uh, 
and he's promised he's not going to use teleprompters. He's like, I don't believe in that. Teleprompters, pre-scripting. He's like, part of the what makes me who I am is speaking off the cuff, speaking off through my actual emotions. And and it's, you know, he says that anybody that uses a teleprompter, and I'm sure that in the future, if he becomes president, we're going to see him have to use some because you just get bombarded with so much information and there's just so much going on. So you need some bullet points, right? You need some bullet points to keep you on track. Um, but he will not let people write his own speech, his speeches. He will write all of his own speeches. Uh, he will not use teleprompters. Um, so he's being truthful, right? He said he's being honest. And he even says that, you know, sometimes, you know, I may say something and maybe later I might change my mind. If I when when new facts are presented to me, I might change my mind. But I think people want a real human being, not a not a puppet that is reading off cue cards all day every day, spitting out the same talking points. So that's number two: is his sincerity, his ability to freestyle, and he will go down any talking point with any person, and he's just super educated, so he can address any issue. Um, and he listens so he can answer appropriately. So that's number two. Um, number three, man, he just has these, his ability to lay out his plan. You know, you ask people, how are they going to, you know, everybody's got to, you know, every politician says they're going to make some changes. They're going to make improvements, but they never really give you a plan step by step of how they're going to do it. And this kid, I, I shouldn't call him a kid, dude. He's younger than me but he's one hell of a man. Um, but he, he, he delivers, he gives you step-by-step step his plan transparently of how he will get the job done. So that's another thing. And so I'll, we'll, I'll just stop those three things. I want to hear you speak a little bit more. Um, but those are the three main things. Okay. Um, and I think that all human beings prefer real people. You know, they, they want to feel like they know the person. They want to feel like the person's sincere and real and that they're human and that they're, you know, you can make mistakes. Uh, but I, we, I think we want to hear their thoughts, not their scripts, pre-written scripts. So I like that about this guy a lot. Plus, he's got fresh legs. Yeah, he's definitely adding a, a breath of fresh air. I don't know, like I looked at listening to him speak he's able to cover such a broad range of topics. Um, like you said, he's very articulate. He's got, you know, good strategic plans. He's detailed. Um, I think the question is, well, what's broken in the United States? What needs to change? Um, you know, why, why this guy and, and what can, what can he do that the other candidates can't do or, yeah, I think that's that's the next question that I that I see is like, why is, you know, as an Australian, when I look at the politics in the United States, it just feels so divisive. The language is divisive. People are really into it. And it's just it's kind of like from the outside, it feels like you have, you know, like it's like a school and you have like a whole school fighting within each other. And they've forgotten that outside of the school is other schools and there's other environments and there's actually people outside of that school that are they're the kind of real threats and they're hostile whereas the people in the school or the kids in the school you know they kind of forget that um you know they're they're all the same nationality they all have lots of things in common probably more things in common than they have in differences you know and, and there's just this it's so divisive it's so political um 
you know, maybe what this guy is able to do is, is use language to kind of bring people together. Like what, why do you think the United States is like so broken in the sense of ideologies and so broken in the sense of division? That's a great question, man. And I like the analogy of the schoolyard, um, the, you know, the different cliques or tribes within the school um, and forgetting that they're actually all, they have more in common, way more in common than they do uh, not. And so I think the U.S. the U.S. is going through like, so sorry to keep, I, I'm going to quote Vivek, is going through an identity crisis. And so, you know, he, he, his analogy is that the United States is in adolescence. It's in its stage of adolescence, um, you know, and in, you know, adolescence, right? Eric Erickson, the identity crisis, um, the, the, what do you call it? The, the something imaginary audience, you know, we're, 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 our egos are dominant in our, in our thinking. They overtake us. We're hyper concerned about what others think, but in the process, we're also trying to find our own way. And so we're just, taking risks and we're experimenting and we're going down the wrong path, turning around, finding a new path, going down that path. But anyways, his analogy of the adolescence of America is beautiful because of the ego, right? The ego and that identity crisis that Eric Erickson speaks about. Um, but I think, you know, part of it is because I'm not sure it's really complicated, but I know one thing for sure is that the United States is starting to hate itself almost the education systems are teaching us to hate ourselves and uh what i mean by that is they're teaching us you know they're they're starting to emphasize the the bad things that goes with building a nation like in, including like slavery okay they're starting to call themselves you know um like dude all these words that have come out like toxic masculinity um just all these things of this, the 21st century are so American driven and it's, it's seeping out into the rest of the world, which, which is really scary. And it's all because of, of media, social media and other media. Um, but the United States, I think is sick because we don't have uniformity. We don't have a common story anymore. There's too many stories. It's well, uh, Vivek's second book, Nation of Victims, is all about this. It's victimization. Everybody's focused on uh, victimization, you know, like there's oppressors and there's victims, you know, and it's like, if you focus on that, well, you've got all these people playing the victim card and they're all like already in the defensive mode. Um, so, you know, I think that's part of it. The United States is a fascinating country because it is made of all creeds, all genes, all languages of the world. And that's a beautiful thing. But the problem with that is like when you celebrate in uh, diversity as much as we do, you start to forget, like you were saying, that there's a common goal. We're all at the same school right? We're all really going in the same direction and really hold the same beliefs. So we have more in common than we do not. But they're not focused on that. America's not focused on that. They're focused on their differences right now. And they're trying to like, like, it's me, 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 me too, uh, stuff. 
Um, and they're, you know, they're, they've dropped the whole fact that we live in the same neighborhood. We go to the same school. This is one country and it's dividing itself by this embracing, not even just embracing, uh, embracing diversity is good. It is, it is much worse than that. It is, I can't think of the word right now, but it's like putting our diversity, uh, using our diversity against us really. Um, but yeah, so I think that's why the United States is, I, I feel like, you know, I live in a foreign country and I'm American and I still love America. I just hate politicians, dude. And I have for a really long time I because they are so fake. Um, and the only person that wasn't fake that I can ever in my whole life that I know was Donald Trump. And what happened was people started to hate this guy because he wasn't, he was so different. He was so different and he just spoke his mind. And that's what I always liked about him. I never voted for him. I, 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 I wouldn't even vote for him now, even though I like him, I like his policies. Uh, but I liked him in so many Americans liked him because he was real. And even if he, whatever was wrong or he lied sometimes, it doesn't matter. All people do that. He was still himself and you can tell. And this is what I love about Vivek, but yeah, man, America's sick because we've lost focus. We've lost, um, the, 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 we've taken our eye off truth and off what we need, which is to have uniformity, um, to realize that we are one and that we need to get along. We're not always going to get along. It's like a family, you know, you, you're going to fight with your brothers and sisters and cousins. You're going to fight with your, argue with your parents. Sometimes your parents are going to argue, but we got to solve those problems. We got to accept each other's differences and always remember we're still part of the same family. And I think that's why America's sick is because they're homeless. They, the, the homeless, they have a homeless mind. They've rejected their own culture. They've rejected their own family and nation. And so what happens when you feel like, well, I, I, this is my opinion, when you feel like you don't belong or that you're a part of something that's actually bad is you start to find ways to, to leave, to, to fight against it. And so then you start fighting against yourself. Um, and it's it's a really sad thing. I've been pretty pretty sad about it, honestly, like deeply sad about it. But at the same time, I don't live in America and I feel great. But if there's one country in the world right now that I really want to, I have hope in, it's the US. It's my home. That's where my, I grew up and that's where my family is still at. And it is a wonderful country despite our, our you know, failures and despite... Our, the, the, some of our bad qualities. It's a wonderful nation, but it's now turning into a nation I do not recognize. Yeah, that's that's interesting. What about if I throw at you that I feel like let's I'm going to defend the other side a little bit in the sense of Vivek is reacting to the, the maybe like you're saying a culture that's sick or unhappy. There's an identity crisis, but we, we're kind of um, reverberating or reacting to postmodernism, I think, in the sense that, and postmodernism to me just means that <clears throat> not having faith in the institution and understanding that you know most institutions are kind of have some kind of agenda or they are biased or naturally in a capitalist society they're affected, controlled, influenced by some kind of monetary economic gain. I think we know that that all companies do that, regardless of what they are, even if it's religion or science. Um, we're all impacted by money in a capitalist society, right? So it feels like in 
And if you use that extended metaphor as the United States is the family, and then the children, uh, the rebellious adolescents, is because I think that they feel that they've been lied to. And I think they've, they've lost faith because they feel like the system is corrupted and they don't feel appreciated. They feel like they've been oppressed or there's a lack of work opportunities. Um, there's there's all these adversity that they're kind of feeling like the system has uh, contributed to that. And then they're sort of reflecting at their own um, either just difficulties, I guess, and whether it's economic difficulties or social difficulties um, or lack of being able to achieve the great American dream, you know, and then they're kind of looking for someone to blame. So then it's kind of like, all right, we now we know that this is corrupt and therefore we're going to point the finger at these people. And then guess what? Uh, the family, I've been lied to the whole time. And you know what? You know, screw my family because I realized that they're a bunch of liars and I don't want to be American anymore. I don't want to be American anymore. I don't want to buy into that shit. Um, you know, how can, I guess, I think that feels like the cause of the sickness, right? And if you're going to use that word, the sickness or a cause of the frustration for a lot of people, do you agree with that? Or do you think there's something else um, going, going on? I agree, but I also think there's something going on um, for sure. And um, you said that, and uh, you know, that we know, and you, you know, you and I come from opposite ends of the earth. But you said we know that all companies and maybe even governments and institutions are biased and motivated um, by certain um, endeavors or whatever goals. Um, and I, yes, that's the truth. And we do know that. And we know that not just in Australia, the United States, or Colombia, or Thailand, but we know that in Africa, in Europe, in China. So what does that tell us? It's a global phenomenon. It is a universal truth about humanity. So, so what are we fighting against? That's what I'm talking about. This is what, I, this is like, this is how, so I totally agree with you, but I, I, I am, I consider myself not politically, so everybody please hear me when I say conservative, not political. Okay, I'm talking, I'm talking about accounting, okay, financially, okay? So these words take on magical forms, dude, and become so much. Uh, I would also consider myself liberal. <laughs> and what does that mean? It's not what it, most people will think. When I say conservative and liberal, it's not anything what you're thinking about. I'm conservative in the fact that I think we should preserve the greatness of our history, the greatness of the human accomplishment. And to me, religion's part of that, dude. Like, I think we should embrace these ideals, but that's a whole different other story. But, um, you know, I, I'm liberal in the fact that I have an open mind, I, or I hope to, I strive to have an open mind. I strive to listen to others' points of view. And I always love when I find out I'm wrong, it doesn't hurt me. Like it hurts so many people that I know. A, a lot, I, I embrace it. Like, I feel like when I'm wrong, I learn something new and it's an opportunity to grow, you know? And so that's what I mean by liberal. Now I'm not talking political because, uh, liberalism 
uh, is a much different thing than liberty, okay, or free thinking, open to change, okay? That's the liberal I'm talking about. I'm not talking about politics, and I'm not talking about this identity crisis, this, this desire to give myself a name and be a part of a tribe. No, that's not at all what I'm talking I'm talking about denotation, not connotation, okay? And denotation is the dictionary definition. Connotation is what cultures and individuals and uh, countries attach, the meanings they attach to words. That's connotation. So I, I'm not going down that road. I'm talking about the truth, the basic form of these words. And I'm, a, yeah, I'm conservative. I want to conserve the good things. I'm liberal. I want to keep my mind open. And um, I think that's really important. Um, but back to what you said, we know. This has always been the case. It's not a new phenomenon that that corporations and that institutions have motivations. <laughs> this is nothing new. It's ancient. So why are we fighting against it? It's like fighting against tides. Oh, I don't like low tide because I can't go fishing. Uh, I'm going to, come on. Like It doesn't make sense. And that's the sickness is trying to sw swim against the tide, trying to move against the grain to your own detriment, to our own detriment. Uh, it, it, we're, we're spending more time focused on the things we don't like than the things we do. And that is a travesty. Who was it? Mother Teresa, you know, during the, what, the war, I forget which war it was. Forgive me for that. But they said, why aren't you, why aren't you standing up and protesting the war? You know, and she got a lot of criticism for not being willing to protest the war. She said, I'm not going to sit there and talk about what I don't want. I'm going to focus on the things I do want. And what I want is peace and love and blah, blah, blah. Okay. And it was such an amazing statement because it's so simple. We keep attacking what we don't like rather than embracing our goals and moving towards our goals. So we turn around and we move towards these conflicts and then we engage with these conflicts, which just slow us down instead of turning around and marching towards what is good and what we want. Okay. So support peace. Don't uh, protest war support peace is what she said. And uh, it makes sense to me because you're not pissing people off. You're just going down that same road. So I think that's part of the sickness, postmodern or not, man. I, like I said, I'm conservative in that way. I don't believe in postmodernism. I think that's a sickness uh, of society. And I think it's driven by those biased institutions that you're mentioning above. Um, but why even play their game? Why even engage? I don't get it. Yeah. Well, how do you bring back the faith in young people? How do you get young people to kind of want to reinvest in in their futures and in the system? And how do you um, give how do you give young people back their faith in the sense of wanting to be part of that um, collective identity to to believe again in in the great dream of the nation? You know, instead of uh, like you said, like instead of the idea of them rebelling because they they're frustrated that they feel this. The system is flawed um, and they feel that it's corrupt. 
And I guess um, what is Vivek going to look? I guess what is Vivek trying to offer? If we bring it back to that, I guess what is Vivek trying to offer young people in the sense of of giving re re giving them um, re establishing faith again for young people? Like, yeah, um, and so number one, how do we inspire uh, faith or uh, motivate youth to want to be a part? of the family of the nation to embrace um you know this is me and i'm just this is not vivek but i will get there next is the story okay the one thing that separates that i know for sure separates humans from animals is the story and i'm sorry animals out there if you identify as an animal (laughs) if animals maybe animals have stories and i hope they do and they might I don't know. They're very intelligent. They, 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 I mean, we can get into that. Like animals have something going on where they have a sixth sense where they know where to go. The salmon in Alaska return to the same stream that they were born in. They travel thousands of miles down the Pacific and then they return to have their next children. It's, it's insanity. How do they know? I don't know. They might have stories, but our stories are what unite us. Okay. It gives us a table. Our stories are our round table. They give us a a place to sit down, share ideas, but also talk about the same um, main focus. Okay, so that would be the story. And I think that right now we have too many stories. Like in postmodernism, this is wrong. The institution's wrong. Oh, everybody's biased. Oh, my parents lied to me. No, your parents didn't lie to you. Your parents are just as gullible as the rest of us. They just fell for another story. And they chose to embrace that story. It's not their fault. There's a lot of evidence, you know, a lot of support for their ideas. No matter what your parents' ideas were, there's a, a tremendous amount of support for that. So we got to stop blaming, blaming our parents. Ooh, they lied to me. No, they didn't. They didn't intentionally lie to anybody. They just believed it. That was their story. And so the humans need to realize that our story is actually not different. It's actually almost identical. There's just these little, there's like a couple pages here and there that have been inserted in to the book into the story that aren't in somebody else's book or story. Um, and then people get off on, on, on that frustration that, that comes up, right? Divide and conquer. You know, if you can get people to get irritated, you feel like you've won. You know, if you can get people to join your story, you feel like you've won. And so it becomes this competition of ideas and stories. And dude, we're all going to die soon. People need to remember that. People need to remember that we're all going to die sooner than we think. And that should be enough to unite us to to think about, okay, so we're all going to die. So what do we want? Well, everybody wants the same exact thing. Everybody. It doesn't matter. They want to belong, to love, to eat, to pray, to sing, to dance, to be happy. It's universal. It's universal. So that's what I think young people need. They need, but they need a leader because of this competition of ideas. This, there are, there is a battlefield of the mind right now. And there are people that want to conquer your, our minds. 
and to have us become a part of their story because of their biases and their motivations, right? That, that their goals. But we don't need a million stories. We need to focus on the universal story that we all share. And that is one of belonging, love, happiness. Nobody wants war. Nobody wants conflict. Everybody wants peace. Everybody wants harmony. There's a few like, there's a few like, you know, people out there that are broken that do want conflict because they're broken and they don't want to be the only ones that are broken. So they want to share their breaking with others, right? Misery loves company. And so anyways, our youth definitely needs to be united by a common story, which we've rejected all of them in postmodernism, right? We've rejected the Bible. We've rejected the scriptures. We've rejected science. We've rejected our parents. We've, I mean, what kind of life is that? Who wants to live like that? I don't. I don't. That's why I call myself a conservative, not politically, but I'm here to conserve the greatness. Yeah, of people. So, um, sorry, I'll open up for a question. I forgot to get to Vivek, but um, you want me to? Uh, well, I think, well, yeah, well, I guess the question would be then is that, you know, does he have a common a story? And, you know, what is his narrative to get people to come together? Um, you know, I guess really quickly, do you see him offering a story of how to get people, young people to come back together? Or is he kind of advocating for uh, collective I, uh, ethics and ideals or an ideology that it's inclusive and creates a system of, um, of community and belonging that young people, based on his language, use of language, the young people are more likely to, to believe to confide in and to trust, I guess. I hope so. I, I really hope so. But that's mm. a great question. Um, I, I didn't think about that. Um, I, I guess I felt like, yes, he did. But now that I think, try to put myself in other people's shoes, I think that he has the potential to actually offend a lot of people, for sure. Um, but I'll, let me speak to his... So he... He basically wants to break down a lot of the institutions that are, okay? He, he, his story to unite is one of the American dream, okay? And we hear that all the time. And uh, his, I think his belief, well, let's just go to the constitution. He believes that the constitution is one of the greatest guarantors of freedom um, that has ever come about okay if he's running for office and he's not stupid so maybe he's doing that intentionally maybe it's a you know a strategy of his but it is kind of a binding document isn't it and so and it is a very beautiful document if you actually read it i think people all over the world have read it and embraced it as this wonderful text right um and so he's putting that forward okay so he's saying that god is real and then the constitution is important. So I think those are the two stories that he's really laying forth as the roadmap to unity, okay? And it's gonna be hard because in postmodernism, people do distrust everything. And uh, there's a lot of noise out there that are against religion. Of course, all, all powers, corporate powers, governmental powers, don't like religion why because it unifies people and they want to and if you're unified you're less affected you're you're less manipulable 
right? By these outside forces. If you're religious, you're not going to keep buying their new products that they keep selling you because you don't need them. You don't need them. You don't need their Hollywood movies. You don't need their Netflix movies. You don't need their candy and their popcorn. You don't need You don't need any of that. And that's a problem for economics, for the for these powerhouse people. So, I mean, religion's always been under attack since the beginning. And it's the media is the one attacker of that. The Constitution allows us to bring secular ideas in. Okay, so now we can we can get the people that believe, have faith to come in, sit at the table. And then the Constitution allows, this is why he says it's the greatest, he doesn't say the Bible or the, I, I don't know what he's a Hindu guy, so I don't know what are those books again? The Gadaveda, Gavita. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, I forget Bhagavad something like. Anyways, the Hindu scripts. He's he says God is real, so that's number one. But he doesn't talk about that being the text that binds people. He says that it is the Constitution, which is very intelligent because it allows everybody in, right? You like it allows all people in it's not if you don't believe in god that's fine um we got this constitution and we can all agree that and we all want to be equal right and god created us equal and we all have rights and freedoms that we should have access to and no government or power should hold us um in contempt for our ideas and this document goes through all of that right um and so anyways i think that's his plan um and uh his story is that he wants to unite America for a common cause and is to stop fighting against each other is to focus on what's most important. And that is, uh, well, the story being the constitution. And if you read the constitution, it allows people to think freely, act freely, have a voice, et cetera. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. So that's, I, I would agree. That's a pretty smart move to bring people back to that document. Um, when it's about, you know, establishing justice, um, tranquility, you know, the individual, you know, liberty, uh, some of those old and tr like to use the word traditional or powerful core values. And then, you know, appeal to one sense of, of identity and patriotism um, in of what it means to be an American. Yeah, that's pretty cool. You know, you said that he's going to probably make people angry or just sort of um, offend a lot of people. You know, I'm looking at the back of his book right now. It says, you know, nation of victims. Uh, I'm going to just read out this little bit. It said, he says that hardship is now equated with victimhood. Outward, outward displays of vulnerability and defeat are celebrated over winning unabashedly. The pursuit of excellence and ex exceptionalism are at the heart of American identity and the disappearance of these ideals in our country leaves a deep moral and cultural vacuum in its wake. But the solution isn't to simply complain about it. It's to review or is to revive a new cultural movement in America that puts excellence first. And then he starts talking a bit about, um, you know, about explains we're a nation of victims. It's about the few things, few things that we still have left in common across black victims, white victims, liberal victims, conservative victims, victims of each other, and ultimately of ourselves. Uh, I, I feel like when he's, when he's outlining it like that, he, he's sort of taking away uh, the, the individual stories of, of people and looking to blame and then more putting the responsibility on individuals saying that, 
you know, there is adversity out there, but we don't need to basically blame everyone or, or, or consider that they are the fault for the, my lack of success. Right. You know, do you think a lot of people will be pissed off by that? And is this the reason, um, you know, like that things like this toxic masculinity, you know, things are these isms or these things are created or, you know, when he talks about systemic racism, you, you know, isn't, isn't as embedded in the culture as, as what people think it is um, in, in, in the modern America. Right. So, you know, is this where he's going to piss off a lot of people? Is this the part that it's kind of going to be difficult for him to unite people? Uh, or is it, is this a way for him to kind of, uh, you know, deconstruct myths in a way of showing people that there is nothing really limiting the individual, you know, in society, or there's, there's a lot less things limiting the individual to be successful in society, except for ultimately ourselves. I know oh, that's a, a tough great, question. Yeah, I was going to say that's a great question. It was it could have been a, a book, a pamphlet. Yeah, it's it's, it's tough. <laughs> it's pretty loaded. I won't lie. Good. No, that's excellent. And and yeah, so yes, I do believe that it's going to be dissuasive in some ways for some people. But I think part of the re reason for that is only because there's so much noise in the world right now. There is way too much. It's the great flood. It's the great flood talked about in the Bible. Uh, and I'm not talking water. I'm talking ideas. Uh, it's overwhelming and we're drowning in ideas. There's too much of it. It's 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 taking over our minds, our, our ability to process information. You know, there's just too much distraction. Um, but yeah, so let's just say he's one man and yes he has a huge platform right now because he's extremely intelligent and he's he knows how to use social media he's a podcast he's dude he's been on every show msnbc cnn fox news dude i think he's probably been on the bbc uh he's speaking with the greatest what i shouldn't say this because what i consider to be some of the great minds of um, of the the world today especially in the west not so much in the east and europe and stuff like that but in the western uh hemisphere including including i mean psychologists like jordan peterson um inventors like elon musk i mean he can sit down with anybody and everybody because he can he's on their level um but i think he is gonna i don't think he's gonna piss people off i think the media is gonna piss people off i think what he's saying is absolutely true Victim, victimization, okay? He says that race, economics, social status, um, all these things are hardships. They, they, they come with their own forms of adversity and hardship. Um, but I think what he's trying to say is that those things, again, are universal conditions. So why are we fighting against the sun rising? Why, like, this is what I don't, this is what I really bothers me about the victimization in America going on right now. This sickness, this fighting, this tribalism, this fighting against this me, 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 poor me uh, idea. I mean, I've had a really hard life. I, I, I really have. I, I know I have. Um, but I didn't let that drag me down. I kept moving. I kept going towards my goals. And you know what? Life's good. Even in the hardest places, life can be good, but it's up to the person. 
It's up to the way we see things, right? Beauty is everywhere. Beauty is everywhere. Some people just choose not to see it. They don't look at it. They, they want to focus on the, the thorns of the rose rather than the petals and the scents, right? They want to focus on the, the negative, the pain, rather than the pleasure and the beauty and the positive things in life that come our way. And it comes everywhere. Uh, it comes in every, um, it's everywhere. It's, it's universal. However, we are, we have been conditioned in the last 20 years to, 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 to in the United States. And, and believe me, it's not just the United States. The United States is just the centerpiece at the moment because my students in Thailand are very Thai, but they're more Western than you'd know because of social media, right? I mean, it's, it's all, they, they have all the same talking points. They use things like LGBTQ. Dude, we live in Thailand. You don't need that here. We have, our, they're so open to sexual orientation here. They don't need a movement. But why are they spitting out the, my students writing about it, spitting it out, wanting to claim their own identity? That's the media. That's, that's the fad. That's the trend they're going through. And, uh, you know, this is just a talking point that, again, if those of you who have not been in Thailand, this country is not prejudiced against gender at all. In fact, the cabarets are all lady boys. They're not done by women. They're done by what we call lady boys, which are a mixed gendered um, part of the population. Okay. They embrace both genders. Um, and they're employed everywhere from the highest levels to the lowest levels. You can't. And so why? It's the media. It's the talking points. It's the story that is being pumped into their minds um, through social media. And this is a divide and conquer tactic. But anyways, yeah, I think he's going to piss some people off because people do feel like victims because that's their story. That's the story they're holding on to. And life is hard. And when life is hard, it's easier to blame others than to pick up your mat, as Jesus said, pick up your mat and walk. It's, it's much easier to sit there laying on your mat and crying about your, it's, it's, you got to get up, get up and pick up your, your burden and go, you know, and <laughs> that's what we need, man, um, is people to stop pointing fingers. Because when you point a finger at somebody and other people, which we love to do scapegoating, right? Scapegoatism, because Vivek loves the isms. Uh, every time you point a finger at someone else, don't forget there's three fingers pointing back at you. So you should always be looking at yourself. So I hope I answered your question. Sorry, dude, your question was long. There was a lot of great stuff. I just didn't write stuff down. I should have. I hope I got some of that done. Oh, I can't hear you. Thank you. I said, sorry, I had my mic off. So I said, yeah, I think you did. But uh, yeah, it's such a hard question to unpack because there's so many different elements to it. And But I think, like you said, is that to me, maybe there's something that we didn't really go into depth with is we're not talking about what happened 30 years ago or 50 years ago or 100 years ago. A lot of young people that kind of are really probably um, disenchanted, if that's the right word, perhaps, you know, they've been on this earth for, you know, 20 to 30 years. And in that 20 to 30 years, things are probably better than they've ever been in the United States as far as um, equality, as far as work opportunities, as far as uh, opportunities to be educated, um, global mobility, 
you know, life expectancy, all of these, you know, these, the fluidity of, of information. Um, so we're not talking about, you know, life in the South of the United States in the, in the, during segregation or, or, or whatever, right. It's, 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 we're talking about what's happening now, I think. And maybe what Vivek sees is, is lots of opportunity and for young people to move forward. And the last thing I saw him talk about, he said, look, I think we need someone younger because, you know, we don't want someone that's jaded. He's like, I'm not jaded. I'm not, um, he's, he's like, I'm not bitter. I'm not cynical. I see that I've still got lots of years in front of me. And I still think that the country has lots of good years in front of it too. And that was a great point. I think in the sense of being able to see a vision for the country and, and taking it forward in leadership and in transcending, uh, through some of these identity issues, uh, as the country reinvents itself or grows and matures through time. Um, but I don't know, like the other thing that is probably worth thinking about or, or asking is, you know, he talks a lot about the cancer, this cancer cultural as this kind of secular religion is what I wrote down. He's like, there's another ideology that's, it's kind of like embedded in, in the, in the social norms now. And this one really resonated with me. And he says, your identity is not based um, it's not based on your individuality. Your identity is more based on your race uh, and your gender, your sexual orientation. Uh, and, you know, if you're inherently privileged and he said, that's kind of almost like a, a psychological slavery because there's no recognition of your particular circumstances, um, who you are. And he says, when you try to, if you speak out against that ideology or that ism, then you're shunned. Um, by by the other and i thought that was really powerful because maybe we're not we're not thinking about people as individuals we're labeling people first with their race or their sexuality and then saying that they have to believe a certain ideology that's associated with their race um or, or sexuality if that makes sense so yeah i don't know if, if, if what you think about that in the sense of your identity in in this cancer culture or, and the way that we're labeling each other, I think is what's um, harmful and the way that there's division and maybe this, you know, and to me, like the things like toxic masculinity is another thing for that, because now we're kind of like putting a label of saying, you know, oh, this type of masculinity is bad. This type is good. You know, this type of black person is good. This black black person is bad. What do you think about that? I think that's an excellent question, and I would, I would like to say that I feel like we are not putting the labels on people. I really believe this to be true. We are being told that story, okay? We do not put labels on other people. People are now listening to a, a toxic story and they're embracing those labels themselves, right? And like he says, the, these these they're holding on to this identity because the story in the media, especially like, well, doesn't matter. The media is so divisive, so divisive. You know. <clears throat> In 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 the newspapers in the United States, over the, so I watched. I've been paying attention for a decade, really. But you know, it, you notice that 
every time there's a black person, just hear me out, please, in the newspaper, the B is capitalized, even in the middle of the sentence. Okay, so, oh, yesterday morning at 5 a.m., a black man was walking down the street. The B is capitalized. Start looking for this. It has to be a, a, a American. The white, brown, whatever is never capitalized. It's a, it's a pattern I've seen. It's like, whoa, it's a subliminal message. It's so weird. Um, but this is what I'm talking about, the stories. And then people, like, forget about the capital B, even though I think that people should look at that, um, uh, because that is not a proper noun. It's an adjective, okay? Uh, it, or or, or it's, a, it's a noun, but it's improper, so it should not be capitalized. But anyways, sorry, there's the English teacher coming out. Um, <laughs> but it's the story, dude, because realistically, I don't judge people and talk about people, and I, you don't either based on their skin, their gender. We always go in there and they are human being and we judge them on the content of their character. Are they respectful? Are they nice? Good. And if you are, you're good with me. I don't care what you are. I don't care because we're all the same. You know, coming from a Christian standpoint, we're all God, you know, the creation of God. So in my mind, we're all equal. And that is the truth. That is my truth. We're all equal. I don't care where you're from. I tell my students that all the time, like you, there's nobody on this planet that's better than you, not a single person. They might be better at you at something, but that's just because they invested their time in that place. Do not compare yourself with others because you have something that nobody else has. You are you and you are a special creation. I tell my students that, and I believe that about all humans. Now in the US, this victimization, we're being told a story over and over and over again that is making us look at our own victimization and try to grab something and then blame the world outside of us for our problems and when that happens once you get victimized you're unwilling to fight or to stand up you start focusing on the wrong things right you you go into a situation feeling it dude it's that secret audience just like the identity crisis like eric erickson said man it's crazy that this just came back we're always thinking that everybody's thinking about us according to eric erickson the identity crisis the the, the what is it the invisible audience the imaginary audience we're always in adolescence we're always thinking about what other people are everybody's thinking about me it's like when you smoke weed like for the first few times, or whenever you smoke weed, you become paranoid and you think that everybody's looking at you. <laughs> That's the imaginary audience, dude. It is not real. Nobody's thinking about you. They're thinking that everybody's thinking about them. They're not thinking about you. They're thinking that everybody's thinking about them. So dude, that's, wow, that's powerful. That was a nice little epiphany there. Um, but nobody is thinking about your flaws. Nobody's thinking about your victimization. I think that we just are hoping you're having, we're just hoping that you're a nice person and that you're having a good day. Hope you're a nice person and you're having a good day. That's all I see. So the problem is that the story of the media is so loud. It is every, it's in your pocket right now. It is in your pocket. It is on your, in your living room and your TV. It's in the newspapers. It's actually in your entertainment. Okay. It's that same story being told over and over again. And it's not a story of love and hope. It's a story of victimization. And what's the opposite of hope, man? I, I can't come up with one right now, but what's the opposite of hope? Like um, despondency, despondency perhaps? Despondence, yeah, like there's no hope. 
That's the story that we're being told, man. That is the story we we're being told. And that's why I like the Bible because it's like one library and, uh, and it's a, it's very entertaining, but it's very positive when you start to get into the thick of it. And it's one, a story of hope and of, of redemption and of, uh, and it shows us that humans have the ability to be monsters. And right now, you know, yeah. If you feel like a victim, you're more likely to become a monster. So, um, yeah, man. So that's, like I said, dude, we don't, I don't care about your, your, your sexual identity. I don't want to hear about your bedroom antics. I don't care. I just want to make sure you're a nice person and that my children are safe to play around you. That's it. I don't care about your religion. I just want you to be a nice human being and want you to be happy. I don't care about the color of your skin. I just want you to be a nice human being and be happy. Okay. And that's what I think Vivek's trying to do. He's trying to create a story for us to all agree with and to focus on the good things rather than the bad things so that we can get out of this gnarly trend of self-hate, victimization, anger, resentment, um, contention pro, pro what i don't I'm trying to say pro, protestation protesting everything and just embrace the good yeah and i feel like your country needs it man because the, the, so. yeah the division isn't good and and what's the purpose of it like you said and a lot of it's probably stemming from social media it's it's stemming from the from the media in the sense of they make profit out of it they get people riled up you know like it's it's all it all leads to nowhere except for violence it doesn't lead to any good so yeah i think that's a yeah it would be i think your country needs that to come together instead of tearing itself apart you know just to give you a contrast in australia you know we're kind of sold the narrative you know for better or worse that you know we're the lucky country um, we're lucky to be there we're lucky to own property you know we have all this opportunity and we're also sold the narrative, um, the, the, the narrative generally is that, you know, it's, it is about um, good community and looking after each other. You know, you look after your mates, you look after your, your family, you look after your community and everyone has a responsibility to, uh, to basically for the, the, for the greater good of, um, of the community and everyone that's a part of that. And, it kind of works in the sense of dealing with xenophobia, dealing with race, and of course, there's still racism and and all those things that are part of our human nature. But it does kind of work because that's what people believe, and a lot of people believe in the system. A lot of people believe in in the the hard work and the ethics of uh, of applying themselves and capitalism, and you know, it just and and a lot of people don't really pay too much attention to the media. And the stuff that happens in the media is so banal and mediocre. It's kind of a joke that's even on the, like when I went back to Australia, there was like, oh, the the, the prime minister likes Miley Cyrus music. I was like, how the hell is that on the news? You know, like, that's what we talk about. <laughs> and this is, that's a joke. So that's kind of like ridiculous because there is nothing to talk about. So, you know, what I'm hoping that this guy does is is a lot of healing like I haven't got a lot of questions left for you. So, you know, you know, take it where you want to take it for the remainder of this chat. But what I really feel like is that if he can heal the country and bring it back together with some of these core beliefs and values and, you know, reignite some of this passion and, and inspiration for, for, for people to have faith 
in each other. You know, I think you said it really nicely. You have faith in each other and, and you know, want to look for the, be grateful for the opportunities that they have and be glad they're not in a, a war-torn, dis- destructed, destroyed country that's decimated and there's no running water and they're not a refugee. And, you know, like there's so many things to be grateful for. And, you know, if you can bring back through a narrative or just through gratitude or through understanding the the possibilities and opportunities. Like, man, I teach the great American dream at, at school, at my school. You know, when we study text, we talk about what is the great American dream and we, we, we label it out, you know, it's opportunities, economic opportunities. It's, it's transcendence through class. It's going from rags to riches. It's property ownership. It's access to education. It's, you know, it's liberties, freedoms, it's free speech um, and the right to, to have, uh right to to have free speech all of these things that make the united states really powerful and we when we remember where that came from and how the country was founded and you know the ideas and the, the philosophy b- behind creating a powerful nation that's prospered for i don't know 400 years or so give or take well probably 1775 was independence i think wasn't it 76 yeah 76 thank you yeah so like it's it's a pretty powerful it's it's got a powerful story it's a powerful country and a lot of great things have come out of that place so it's it's really a a shame and maybe that's the way to bring people back together and you know get these young people to 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 understand that yes there is corruption yes the world isn't fair yes people are horrible to each other but that's not a reason why people should give up lose hope be despondent and just check out, right? It's kind of like that should be the reason, to be honest, the reason why people should come together, you know, and be, a, a, a like you said, an example of change and be productive and creative and be examples, be the light in the darkness so that, you know, more people can follow that leadership and the country changes over time through example, leadership and education. You know, that's probably a, so yeah, he's a, he's a really powerful dude, man. I've, I don't know. I've, I've kind of, you know, I think he's, he's a much needed voice when you put me onto him. I was really like, I've, I've seen a couple of his interviews and really impressed by the the quality of uh, his critical thinking and the inclusion, you know, the inclusion and uh, going back to those foundational principles and, and again, appealing to the fact that, you know, as we say in Australia, use all, you know, you know, use all uh, one people, you know, not, you know, not uh, 50 million different people in different states is under the one flag, the one country, the one federal government, the one ideals, the one philosophy, the one military that brings the country together and stands for something great. Yeah. Well said, man. Use all. a lot of american teachers make fun of me because of my my use of pronouns oh no i like it i love it that's what we need man that's a a cool yeah you guys say you all i think that's the one new pronoun i've come across that i actually like (laughs) i'm gonna take that i'm gonna use that one (laughs) no i like it it. my dad's a big fan i love it man it draws attention to the fact that we are one right we are you know yeah, I think so. I think Vivek is the right age. Let's. I'll try to stay on him from now on. I, I put a little bit of my emotions in here because it's near and dear to my heart, 
right? Because it's my own country, man. It's like, you know, it's sad. It's really hard to see. But Vivek, yeah, his age, man, he's he is he is the only millennial, right? He has the ability to bridge the gap. And because of his high level of education and now his platform, like, I mean, he's talking to everybody and anybody. And like, he is a masterful listener. He's really good. He knows the questions people are asking at the beginning of their question. And he's already preparing his answer because he knows he can kind of read where it's going. He's very sharp, but his age is important. He's got a lot of energy to endure this storm that he's about to go through um, to, to rebuild, which he's going to need to do. He's got the energy, he's got the longevity and the, the, the time ahead of him, but he's also, well, he's a Hindu and he's very respectful of his elders, right? He's very respectful of those people that came before him that have more experience and knowledge. So he's not an arrogant youth, right? He's not, he's not a rejecting of old ideals type of youth, but he is connected, dude. I don't recommend this, but he did rap on stage uh, Eminem's Lose Yourself. Uh, he was at a rally and like it, it, he was talking to people and then like the background music turned to that song, like Lose Yourself in the moment, you gotta get it. Bump. And he just like, someone's like rap and he's just like, he just went into it, dude. So I don't really recommend that because he looked pretty goofy, but he actually kind of nailed it to be honest. But it just shows you he can connect with the youngest people and he can also connect so I see him sort of as a unifier of the age gap in the bridge, okay? He is tech savvy, extremely technologically savvy, um, but he's also traditional. He's a traditionalist, dude. He's, he's, you know, he's, he doesn't drink, he doesn't smoke, he doesn't do anything. He has, it's like, he was on Bill Maher the other day. I do recommend you guys watch Bill Maher's Meltdown. No offense to Bill Maher, but he's just drinking and smoking and, and Vivek's just having a conversation with him. And, and Vivek's so awesome, dude, because he's Bill Maher's having a meltdown and he's really trying to get Vivek to condemn Donald Trump. Like you just see this hate for Donald Trump that I've never seen. Like, why do people hate this guy so bad? I mean, it is some deep-seated hate. And Vivek was talking about he started to, you know, he he won't condemn him. So he was starting. This is another thing I love about Vivek. I have to say this real quick, is he does not. Up until this point, he does not condemn other people. He doesn't want to talk about their mistakes. He doesn't want, he wants to move forward. He wants to talk about what we can do, right? Rather than dwelling on what he said, she said, he did. And I really admire that, the ability to not attack character because that's the divisiveness that the US is going through every two years. It's disgusting. They've built a system to divide and destroy us. It's a political system that requires voting. And if you don't vote, you're terrible. Uh, but it requires you to endure all this hate speech, character attacking over and over again, which does not solve any problems. It does not fix anything. It doesn't make you better. It doesn't make the country better. Anyways, back to Vivek. <clears throat> but he's, Yeah, just he's to cut in there. Just to cut in there, to add to that, I heard him say that don't attack character, only policies, right? And that was great. Yeah. Yeah, man. And that's that's what we need to unite us, to stop fighting each other, man. Like, it's so ugly to judge people, right? Like, I've you hear people attacking people, and this always happens politically in politics. And it's... 
you see the ugliest side of human beings, you know, when it, you see it in bars, you see it always around election time. Dude, that's why I actually don't have Facebook and I never will, except for maybe business purposes, but I never will be on social media again. I'm just, it's not for me. Uh, just the hate, the ugliness. They, they, social media is a platform for the ugliness of humanity. And now I'm not saying that there isn't great. I love, I love what social media can do but it is a platform. It, it allows us to look at mostly the bad side of humans, narcissism, uh, self-love, all of our hate. But anyways, uh, yeah, attack policies, not people. It looks really ugly. Anybody that talks bad about people, I immediately don't like that person. There's something I don't like about them because they're willing to cut someone down. And oftentimes when that person can't, isn't there to defend them. Um, but Vivek, yeah, he's a, he's a, he can bridge the gap, right? He can bridge the gap. His youth, his intelligence, he's a great listener. He wants to include everybody. Um, and um, I think one of the things he has going for him is he can, I hate to say this, but he can, he can fight against victimization because he can check a lot of the boxes. That's what I didn't want to say was check the boxes, but it came out anyways. Um because he can, okay? He's a first generation American, which is always tough for anybody. Um, to be honest, I am too, but I don't think it was that tough for me, um, really. So, But his parents were, and I did see my mom go through some stuff, struggle with language and be treated the way I wish she hadn't, you know, hurt me. Um, they were poor, very poor family. So he's got the minority card. <laughs> I'm sorry. I hate to say it like this. I sound like the media right now, but he's got the minority card. He's got the social status and economic status card. He's been at the bottom. He's experienced your pain and suffering. Now, of course, in a quick 37 years, less than that quick 20, I think he was 27 when he became a millionaire. Um, in a quick 27 years, he turned that around, right? Like completely. Now his whole family is set forever. Um, I shouldn't say forever, but yeah, you know, but this is why he can also use the American dream card. So he's he has the ability because of his situation to actually unite people because he's not like a, a, a Donald Trump or a, or a, a rich you know, right now, like in our education, we're talking like in the U.S., they always talk about how bad white people are. Well, that's racism. In fact, you know, that's what Ramaswamy says. Reverse racism is racism. And that is so vital. It's so key. But when but let me get back to that. So when a white person's up there who's kind of comes from a middle class to upper class family is fighting for the lower classes. OK, that's awesome, man. That's wonderful but it's kind of hard to like really believe them. Right. Cause if you don't have that experience, it's like someone that's never been a drug addict giving a drug addict advice. Yeah. Okay. It's advice. It's not empathy. It's sympathy and empathy is what we need. And Vivek's got the empathy because he came from it in this, you know? Um, so that's what he's got going for him, man. Um, he is a minority in so many ways, right? He's a Hindu running in a, predominantly Christian, Judeo-Christian culture. Uh, 
He's Indian American. He came out of poverty. Um, yeah. And his ideals are great, man. Um, I, I, yeah, I just hope people look into him, you know, you know, where he's going to get into tr trouble is the two genders. Right. But here's the thing. He, he, he's not willing to, 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 to play politics and he has his 10 truths, right? His 10 truths. And one of those truths are that there is two genders. And I think this is going to really offend some people. Um, um, but I think people are confused. Uh, I think people are confused because um, the root word of gender is gene. Okay, gene, genes. Okay. And there are only two chromosomes, the X and the Y. And that's what he means. What everybody's obsessed with is sexual identity, which is completely different. But um, so he's going to get in trouble there, right? He's going to get in trouble there. Um, <clears throat> he's going to get in trouble with the environmentalists, calls them a climate cult. That's pretty heavy language. Um, but yeah, man. So I wish this guy luck. I think he has what it takes. I think his story is really good. Um, I really love that he focuses on the family and faith. I think that's what can heal any country is family and faith, you know, um, any situation, not just countries, communities, people, individuals, right. Um, can be healed through family and faith. And that is his really his biggest argument, right. And family can be beyond your mother and father. It can also be your community. Sorry, I hope I didn't bore you. No, hundred percent. I'm just letting you pause there to, well, just to make sure that you've finished, but, um, yeah, man, I got to wrap this up. I think um, I think there's some great points there, and I think ultimately maybe the theme that you mentioned of this podcast before we started was um, hope, in the sense of you know the United States needs a beacon of light in the darkness and giving people a bit of hope, something to strive for, rekindling some of those really powerful ideas or ideals is something probably really necessary and you know unfortunately a lot of those you know like i didn't really understand you know some of these some of these traditions are you know i can understand why people want to tear them down the family and women feeling like they, you know they're just mothers and you know you know men having their purpose as work and all of that stuff but some of these things do us a lot of good. And, and when you choose them and you take on these responsibilities and you're protecting your family or working for the family, working with, you know, working to provide for your family and basic core values and bringing those back, I think at some level we need that. I mean, you know, I think we need that. And it doesn't mean that we have to be rigid about those social structures, you know, that women can only do this or men can only do this or do that, whatever. But some of those things are just so ingrained in us, so embedded in our, in our evolutionary biology, so ingrained in our social conditioning in the sense of who we become and, and our overall identity and overall happiness, you know, sense of self-worth and gratitude and as we contribute to, a, to the group because ultimately, you know, I think it's, it's, there is a sense of satisfaction when you are contributing to a group that you cannot uh, re like replicate as an as an individual identity uh, entity as an individual en entity. So yeah, some of those things are really powerful, and and it would be good to 
I don't know, bring them back in a way that would, that people can relate to, you know, and then people don't have to be rigid, but can restore a lot of that hope and faith back in community and faith back in the family and faith back in their country. And like you said, to be proud of where you come from and re you know, mature that identity. So there's a lot of really powerful things there. And I think there's a lot of things to learn about ourselves as people, you know, and, and to learn about culture as well and the culture and society. So, yeah, you know, can I wrap this up? You know, is, is there anything else that you wanted to, to end this uh, conversation with? Oh yeah, no, man, just, uh, just that. Yeah. I think it's, I think it is time and I, I feel like it's not just the U S but it's the whole world, but pro- let's just talk about the U S yeah. It's time for kind of like a great, uh, like, w- you know, waking up to what's important rather than like looking at our differences, looking at all the ways we are actually the same, you know, and it is one country. So if, if, if it suffers, we all suffer. So, you know, if, you know, the fighting's got to stop the name the name calling and the divisiveness the attacking of characters has got to stop and again like i don't want to hear like there are things we, we don't need to talk about that are very personal and that's fine and go about it in your own way but like the bottom line is that we are all one huge global family and when one of us suffers in any way, whether it's through name calling or poverty, we all actually suffer. Um, and so I'm really hoping this guy can come up and, and do something. I'm worried about him because he is saying some pretty radical stuff. Um, and that's never good, you know. And um, but yeah, you know, I just think that, yeah, I just hope that people like can start, we, including myself, can start looking at the good in people rather than the differences or the bad. That's really it. I think we need it uh, because really all I care about is, and all we should care about is how people behave, their content of their character, right? How they behave and if they're happy. That's the most two most important things. Are they nice and are they happy? That's really important. So that's really all I wanted to get at. I hope he wins. He's uh, for those of you listening, he does have his ten truths, um, and you can look those up. Uh, but it's a lot about trying to support what the good things of America and actually like family, right? Family, community, spirituality, economics. Um, and and more so i'm not gonna recite those i'm gonna let you look them up if you're interested vivek ramaswamy um right on man well thank you uh i hope i didn't bore you today i'm man i learned something about american politics what are you talking about <laughs> my world just got a little bit bigger do you know do you know what he's talking about that uh his number nine truth is that there's three branches of uf government not four uh, yeah, I did hear him talk about them. And I, I, I heard him talk about his 10 truths very briefly. And also like his platform to donate as well, like, um, you know, to support the cause. So, you know, obviously those people that are listening can do that. But, you know, I, I just really got onto him over the last couple of weeks. And that's why it was kind of good to interview a, you a little bit about this as an American citizen from your point of view, you know, as as you know, I'm an Australian, so um, you know I've I've got I'm not one foot in, one foot out. I'm you know I'm looking at it from the the outside. So yeah, it was cool to have a, a good chat about it, and um, you know 
my world is a little bit bigger because of this conversation. Well, that's cool, man. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. You can see there's a lot of emotion tied into it for me because I am American. So that's probably why I've paying more attention and you can hear the emotion in, in my voice at times. And that's just because it's like my own house is on fire. You know of, what I mean? Of course. And I think you should care really like, you know, it's kind of what you're saying, right? Being apathetic is not, it's, it's, you know, I get it, but really it, it is where you come from. It's your identity. It's the, it's a country that educated you, you know, embedded these ideals, ideologies. It's, it's a big part of who you are. You can't just wipe that away. And I think, you know, I'm living in another country too. And, you know, I'm very grateful for the education that I had in my home country and, and what it gave me. Um, so, you know, to ignore that would be somewhat myopic or um, inconsiderate, you know, of, you know, j just too dismissive of, of what it's, you know, even ungrateful, I think um, of what it's given you. So, yeah, I think, any American should be invested in the, in the future of their own country, just like any, any citizen in every country. So I think that's a, that's a really powerful and good thing to do. So yeah, man, it's, it's been great to have this conversation and, you know, ex express some of those ideas that hopefully, um, you know, that hopefully um, make a little bit of a difference and, and even provide clarity for some people. Yeah. Yeah. I think even if, 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 if he never doesn't make it very far, the message is out. Right. And I, I think that's important. Uh, somebody is standing up on the biggest stage for true values, core American values and ideals. And uh, I think they're more than just American. Right. I, I think it's more global. But anyway, yeah, I'm just happy someone's standing up and not talking about what he did, she did wrong, but rather what is who are we and why are we here? Yeah, absolutely. All right, brother. Great chat. Good to talk to you. I'll um, I'll I'll see you at the next one. All right. Sounds good, man.